The new uh, the lectionary takes us to the New Testament lesson of Romans, a letter to uh, Paul to the church at Rome. Uh, Romans, the last chapter, 16. And the uh, letter uh, has a concluding chapter, an ascription. And ascription is a little different from a benediction. A benediction is a, a blessing pronounced on people. An ascription goes to God. Uh, that's uh, a difference, right? And so this is to God. And uh, we're going to read then verses 25 to 27, uh, this ascription of Christ. Now, now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him, to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ, amen. We think about what Paul is, uh, is he describing the gospel here, it's a mystery, and in the Bible, a mystery isn't like, I don't get it, I don't get it, a mystery is what, uh, you, you wouldn't have known except what God has revealed to you. And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. In other words, there will be some people alive when Christ returns. We wouldn't know that unless it was revealed to us. And that's what a mystery is in the Bible. Something is hidden, now made known, and that What's being made known is the gospel of Jesus. We turn to Luke chapter 1 then for our reading from the gospel today. The lectionary takes us to Luke 1 at verse 26. Hear God's word. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son. And you're to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. As far as the reading from God's holy word. I invite you to turn back in the gospel to... Luke chapter 1 at verse 26. 
and I'll be following the text closely today, as I hope I always do. Uh, today, um, notice the title of the sermon, Impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. Oh Lord, your word comes to us uh, different than we would expect using our common sense. And you tell us that in Isaiah, the prophet, that your ways are not our ways, your thoughts are not our thoughts. They're higher than our thoughts as the heavens are above the earth. And so, Lord, help us today to love you with our minds, our emotions, uh, love you with our strength, and Lord, that we would um, just uh, be true disciples today. Uh, we ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would help us to learn and grow. And we ask that the preaching would be faithful and that the end result would be that you would be our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the Bible, we often have God announcing his plans. And we need to understand that when we announce our plans, uh, we have to be rather humble about it. Uh, James tells us that God doesn't want us to say, you know, tomorrow we're going to do this, and next year we're going to do that. Uh, he James says in verse, chapter 4, verse 13, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Well, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And so when, as Christians, when we announce our plans, we need to, if we don't say it out loud, we need, it needs to be in our thinking, we're going to do this tomorrow, we're going to do this next week, next year, God willing, God willing. The um, old way of abbreviating this in a writing would be to use capital D, capital V, standing for some Latin words, Deo Valente, God willing. I think about uh, a famous poem uh, written by the Scottish poet Robert Burns in 1785, and uh, you might have read it in, in school, although it's very difficult to read, and for me to quote it wouldn't make much sense because it's written in an old Scottish uh, way of writing. But it was about this farmer uh, that was plowing. Remember what, how we used to have plowing? And uh, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, late fall. In fact, uh, it was in the month of November in Scotland where this uh, poet was plowing. And as he... Uh, plowed, uh, he overturned a mouse nest in the ground. And he looked down at what he had done, and here was this mouse who had been enjoying uh, her cozy little house apartment under the surface of the ground. And now in the month of November, the farmer's plow had overturned all this, sending her into a panic. And John Steinbeck uh, the author from 
uh, previous, uh, the previous century. I'll paraphrase this, and it's often, the paraphrase is often used from this poem, that the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry and leave us nothing but grief and pain for promised joy. You know, we thought we had it all worked out, and then the plow comes and overturns it all. Well, I'm sure for many of us, we could relate to that. And uh, we, we, we need to say, I mean, it's just common sense, and it's theologically correct and obedient to God to say, God willing, when we announce our plans. But God's not like that. In Psalm 115, verse 3, we read, Our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. In Daniel chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar, he's a king of all the known world at that time. Nebuchadnezzar. And he had been on his palace wall, and he had looked over his beautiful city, and he got so full of pride, and he said, is this not beautiful Babylon that I built? You know, I built for my glory. And God had warned him before, and God cut him down. And he was so, he had so lost his sanity that he would even eat grass like an animal. But then God restored him. And as Nebuchadnezzar had his restoration and repentance, he he spoke of it in verse 34, Daniel 4. He said, at that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. When Nebuchadnezzar gave God his rightful place, his sanity was restored. He uh, was able to function again as a human being uh, in a normal way. Uh, he was uh, knowledgeable as to who was on the throne. And this is where we have to, this has to be our mindset as we process what we read here in Luke's gospel regarding God. And in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Okay, it's his plan. He sent his messenger to a specific town in Nazareth, uh, in Galilee named Nazareth, and to a specific person uh, named Mary. And she is described in verse 27, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now God's plan is going forward as in throughout the scripture, and we have God uh, telling his people ahead of time what is gonna happen. Uh, he told Noah ahead of time, there's going to be a flood. No one had ever seen such a thing before. You need to build an ark. He told Abraham that he was going to have this great family. And Abraham had to believe him. 
His name was Abraham, exalted father. And God said, we're going to change your name to Abraham, even though he was an old man. God said, we're going to change your name to father of a multitude. And he didn't have any kids. How's that going to work? And God told his people ahead of time. He told his people ahead of time about Jesus. So we have in the Gospel of Matthew a fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. Matthew, like Luke, wants us to take note of the fact that the birth of Jesus was ultra special. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. This is Matthew now. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was a sign. So you would know who the Messiah would be. Now, how would we know that this information? Well, in verses 1 to 3, in the opening of this gospel in chapter 1, the writer, which we know to be Luke, said that he used eyewitnesses and sources as sources. He, he used people that went through these events and the people who, who lived the events. He, he, the people saw them and lived through them. In Luke chapter 1, he, verse 1, he said, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the Lord. Therefore, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Uh, Theophilus is the name of a person, perhaps. Could have been the person who, who uh, did the financial backing, that a person could sit down and write this out um, and, and have it, uh, going through uh, the culture of the day, uh, being copied. Uh, Theophilus means one who loves God. Theos is God, and phileo means to love. It's one who loves God. It could be uh, also a name for a reader like us, if you love God. Here, here's what Luke did. He went to the eyewitnesses. Colossians chapter 4 tells us, on the missionary team, as he's mentioned, that he's called our dear friend, Luke, the doctor. He was an ancient physician. He used eyewitnesses. Now, who would he have consulted? Well, Mary, the mother of Jesus. This was her story, as it's talked about in Luke's gospel. She would have been the eyewitness. She would have been the one giving the account. Uh, Luke, the beloved physician. And we have this truth being talked about. Some years, uh, some decades ago, actually, uh, we had visitors in our church that came for a number of Sundays. And then uh, after one Sunday in Advent, they never came back. And I thought, what, what went wrong? What changed? And later I found out that I had done what I had done wrong. I had preached on the virgin birth of Christ. But you see, that's an important biblical doctrine. It's important for Matthew and Luke, and it's, it's put forth for us 
in the creeds of the church, the Apostles' Creed, where Jesus, as you recall, making our confession on Sundays, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. The Nicene Creed says that he was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. That incarnate means to be made in the flesh, uh, uh, God in the flesh. And, and so how did that happen? Uh, he was not born in an ordinary way. Everybody you know is born in an ordinary way. If you really get to know them, they're really not much to brag about before God. They fall short. And that was not our Lord Jesus. He was fully human, and he was fully divine. He was God. But in being fully human, he did not inherit a sinful nature. He was born in a special way. And so the angel Gabriel came to Mary, who lived in Nazareth, town of Galilee. Okay, later, after a time in Egypt, they're going to go back there. After being in Bethlehem for the census, they're going to go to Egypt. They're going to return someday to Nazareth. And the Lord chose Mary to be the mother of the Messiah in verse 27. To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. We have this messenger of God. His name is Gabriel. He shows up four times in the Bible. And the last two letters is L is God. And uh, the first part means mighty one of God or God is mighty. It could be uh, translated either way. So just the announcement of his name is a, a praise of God. And Gabriel in the Old Testament helped Daniel understand Two visions in that book. So he's about telling the future, right? And, the, and so here's Mary, and, and the angel Gabriel comes to her. Well, how would you respond? She reacted in a very human way. Uh, she was troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Like, you know, when we have to deal with somebody, we wonder kind of, what, what do they want? You know, we kind of feel like we're trying to look back in our past. And, uh, you know, here's, here's Mary for this holy angel, and she's troubled. Well, no wonder. But Gabriel's announcement is that God's son will be on the throne. Verse 31, you will be a child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. This is God's plan, and this is God's announcement, that Mary would be with child. The child would be a son, and she was to name him Jesus. The same instruction was given to Joseph in the book of, in the Gospel of Matthew. They were both told his name. They didn't go, need to go get the baby name book out, try to figure it out. And God said, this is what I'm going to name my, the Messiah, Jesus. Same word as Joshua. If you would take a Greek translation of the Old Testament, it'd be the same name as Joshua. It means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. 
So even the name Jesus has it all uh, summarized for you. So if God were to say to you at the end of your life, why should I let you into my heaven? I would hope you wouldn't say, because I've lived a pretty good life. He sent his son, the Lord saves. I, I would certainly hope you would say, because I'm, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus, who came down from heaven for my salvation, went to the cross. He's my only comfort in life and in death. I'm not my own, I belong to him. I hope that's what you would say. The Lord saves, that's Jesus. He will be great. Somebody who hardly traveled anywhere geographically in terms of miles traveled, and yet all over the world, son of the most high. That's who Jesus is. So we can't have a low, a low view of him. He might be born in a manger and ridden a donkey into Jerusalem, but he's not. He's exalted now. He's at the right hand of God. He's the son of the most high, referring to God. I think of a quotation from a very liberal a pastor from the previous century who was asked about or made a statement about Jesus being divine, you know, divine meaning God. And his, his statement was, yes, Jesus is divine, but so is my mother. That's a very low view of God. That's not the Bible view of God. We have in verse 33 the promise that God will give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to be the one talked about in 2 Samuel 7. He's going to be the one that's going to be on that throne forever and ever. And he's going to reign over his people in verse 33 forever. Now, this comes to pass when Jesus ascended to heaven, ascended to his Holy Spirit. He comes, the Bible says his kingdom is now, and it's going to be more in the future. It's already, and it's not yet. Uh, already he's ruling in the hearts of his people. If you're born again, you're, you're part of the kingdom of God. That's your citizenship. And so he's the son of the Most High. And he is, uh, the, this is the teaching in Daniel chapter 4 of who Jesus is. He's God's son on the throne. And that must be our view of Jesus. That must be our reality, our view of Jesus. He's on the throne. All right? And that's Gabriel's, that's who Jesus is, according to the angel that came from heaven. So don't be confused by these Cynics and doubters that have been out there muddying up the waters, actually since the beginning of, of, of the gospel. Uh, the early apostles talked about such people also distorting the word of God. And Mary asked the angel this logical question, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, 
for nothing is impossible with God. This is the message you have to take home. The creator of the world who made this world, something in this world is going to stand in his way. What Mary is to understand from this is that the virgin birth is not too hard for God. People look at this and say, oh, no, that can be biologically not possible. We get it totally, understand, understood. But look at what we're seeing in the Bible. Elizabeth and Zechariah featured in Luke's gospel just ahead of this in their old age would have a baby too. And Elizabeth's pregnancy demonstrates that nothing is too hard for God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. You think back, this is, this, is, this story's been before, you know, it's a little deja vu here. We have a, in Genesis 17, God going to Abraham, and Abraham's been waiting a long time to have this family that God talked about. Now he's like 99 years old, and God's going to make you a covenant with your son, and, and Abraham's singing Ishmael, and God said, no, it's gonna, not going to be it's, it's going to be a son of your, from your own body. And when Abraham heard it, uh, he fell down and, and laughed. And, and Sarah also, Sarah, had to be challenged. When she was told in the next chapter, when the messengers came from heaven and told her that next year she would have a son, and she laughed, and in a tent, you can hear the outside, and the outside can hear you. And God said to her when she came out, she said, why, why did you laugh? She said, I, well, I didn't laugh. Well, you don't get to lie to God. And God said, yes, you did. And she was challenged. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? You, look, you read about the virgin birth, and do you doubt it? Well, if you doubt it, it must be because you think that God couldn't do it. But our view must be that nothing is too hard for God. That's the, the message already in Genesis 17. God's covenant with Isaac, laughter. That came from Abraham when he heard it. This old man having a child, he thought he laughed about it. It was... Absurd in a way, right? Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. It was a picture of this impossible birth of what would happen in the life of Mary. How did Mary respond to that when she was told? Did she doubt it like Zachariah? Did she? Uh, no, she didn't. Her, her, her response was, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Faith means showing up as a Lord's servant. We prayed this morning, your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. As the angels of heaven get their assignments and they don't groan and moan about it, they go do it. They're servants of God. 
We're called to be a servant. Mary said, I, you know, she didn't know where this was going, but she said, I am the Lord's servant. The apostle Paul, after the Lord converted him, introduced himself in the letters as Paul, Romans chapter one, verse one, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. And later in Ephesians, as he spoke about the mystery of the gospel being revealed, he said, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me. Okay, that's Mary, that's Paul, but there's something, someone else also, and you can put your name in that, if you have the outline, you can put your name in that next slot there. Because in the sermon of, on the talents, when those who took their talents and lived for the Lord, when they returned uh, and they gave an account, what did they say? What, what did God say to them? Well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we want to hear. That's what we want to hear. We want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. That we took our talents, we lived for the Lord, that we lived our lives for him. And so we come to the virgin birth and it's, if you don't have faith, you're not going to believe it. But rather than be embarrassed or cynical of how our Lord came into the world, how people of faith embrace a virgin birth, and we do that as a matter of faith. God said it, we're going to believe it. It's a matter of faith. It's there in the creeds. It's an important thought. It shows us the uniqueness of Christ. And in so doing, we recognize the sinlessness of our Savior. Let's pray. Father God, help us not to be doubters, uh, scoffers, uh, people that don't have faith, but help us to be numbered among the believers and those who receive the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.